We're going to be talking today about how love has no room for fear. Love has no room for fear. And we're finishing up our series today on 1 John, Live Like Jesus, looking at Jesus through the eyes of Jesus. I mean, through John and uh, how Jesus walked the earth and uh, how John perceived Jesus. And one of the things that I imagine that John, when he looked at Jesus, uh, he I certainly believe that I would have been. But I believe that John would have been amazed that Jesus walked without fear especially toward the end of his ministry because there were threats being made. They tried to kill him once. They were going to throw him off of a mountain. I don't know if you remember that or if you've read that. And he just walked through without fear. Come on. And uh, I believe John and I know I certainly would have been uh, like, how is this man walking on earth without fear, with these threats, with, with everything that's going on around him? And we should be able to say that to each other. The world should look at us and say, how is it that these crazy church people, right, continue to go to church, continue to praise the Lord, continue to worship when there is a pandemic, there's a global crisis, uh, the economy, we don't know how that's going on. People are fighting and politics and all of the things around the world. How are they still going in the midst of all of that? Because love has no room for fear, has no room for fear. So we've been experiencing the book of First John and learning how to live like Jesus. We're, we've seen Jesus righteously and rightfully proclaimed by the apostle John, understanding that to live and love like Jesus is an absolute miracle to you and I. But it is a miracle that we can accomplish because he's given us his love. He's given us the spirit of power. He's given us the spirit of love. He's given us the spirit of a sound mind. Amen. So let's look at 1 John chapter 4. Again, I'm going to read quite a a few verses here, a long passage, verses 7 all the way down through verse 20. And I'm reading again out of the New King James Version. You may have the GNT or the G-Dub or the NLV or whichever one you have. All right, Brother James, a traditional King James. Amen. They even have that one, uh, but we'll get to the same place together, amen, because we have the same spirit, amen. So the Bible says, beginning at verse 7, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. In this The love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins, a substitute. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. 
And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have the boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Now, I don't know about you, in that passage there, I think John is pretty direct about love and who love is, not what love is. See, we want to define love and we want to say what love is. Love is a longing look. Love is a, a nice gesture. Love is verbalized and saying, I love you every day. Love is picking you up when I have something else to do and dropping you off. Love is giving you some money when I really don't have uh, money to give. Love is uh, spending time with you. Love, we, we want to define love by what love is. And John is defining love by who love is. Because, see, God just doesn't love as it's an action. God is love, so when he shows up, not only is love there, but he is loving just based on his presence. I want you to get that and understand that, that when, job, that when God is presence, present, he is loving. He doesn't have to perform an action to love because he is love. Now, if you want to be like Jesus, this is where we're trying to get. That when you show up in the room, love is present. People feel love before you say a word. People understand that you love them before you uh, commit any gesture at all. Before a longing look, before an offer, before words, they know that love is there. God is love. His very nature is love. The nature of God is love. God is love. His very essence, his personality, his nature is love. 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Why? Because it's his nature. God's love is unconditional. God's love is perfect. There's nothing left out of the love of God. God's love is eternal. It never ends. But you want to know what I love about God's love? God loves the world. God loves the church. God loves the universe. God loves his creation. But God loves you, David. God loves you, and he knows every gray hair on your head. God loves you. God's love is personal. His love is personal. He has enough love to love the universe and to love you with all of the love that he loves the universe with. See, we, God's love can't be measured by your feelings. I feel a certain way. That's how we measure each other's love. If I don't feel that my wife loves me today, then, then I, maybe, maybe she doesn't really love me because I don't feel that thing. 
But we can't measure God's love by our feelings or by how you feel or by your circumstances because his love never changes. He never changes. The steadfast love of the Lord, Lamentation says, never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. 1 Peter 5, 7 in the Good News Translation, the Bible says, leave all your worries with him because he cares for you. Leave them with him because he cares for you. See, we have to understand that we were created by God to be loved by him. That's why he made you. So there should never, ever be a question of if God loves you or not. Because he made you to love you. We have to have confidence in that. That's where our faith comes in. We have to believe that God is. He made, he made you to love you and he made you to love others. It's what we're made for. God's perfect love matures in us. The perfecting love of God, the presence of God in us is, is the way love is perfected among us by his love being in us. See, it's impossible for us to love each other the way that we're supposed to properly without God. We've said it this whole series and we've said it before that if this relationship isn't right, this one will never be right. It will never be right. This relationship has to be right. First John 2, 5, back in chapter 2, verse 5, it said, But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 3, 5, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. We're trying to get a point across this morning, Brother John and myself, from the Holy Spirit that God is love and he wants you to receive his love and love the same way that he loved. It's a perfect love. It's a perfect love. Perfect love comes from abiding in Christ. That means that you have to have some devotion time with God. That means that you have to have some prayer time with God. That means you have to have some time that you are reading his word. And guess what else? That also means that you have to have some time practicing the love of God with each other. It can't just be me and Jesus. That's not the love of God. He made us to interact with each other. And it won't be easy some days. Come on, you know like I know that there's some people that you feel are unlovable. And if you don't know anyone, someone in your family, some friend, someone, acquaintance that's unlovable, you might be the unlovable one. Come on. Might be. I don't know. I didn't call no names. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying God, God made us to love each other. Here in verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love that's not a condemnation from God it's just saying hey I want to make you perfect in love and if you still have fear in your life you're not there yet and it's okay I just want you to get there we have to establish where are we the new living translation put it this way said such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. I love that word expels. It's, it's like when you turn on the light in a room, the darkness just leaves. It can't stay. It leaves. That's why there can't be any fear where there's perfect love, where perfect love is manifest in you. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. 
And that shows that we have not fully experienced the perfect love of God. Another version said there is no room for, for love. In, in, there is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Another word I like. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is, is one not yet fully formed in love. So we've got a ways to go if we have any fear in our life. Any fear in our life. You know, we all have some childhood fear or some fears that we've had to overcome in our life. There are many types of different fears. You know, perhaps you needed a nightlight to keep the unseen evil away from you at night. Perhaps you needed dad to, or mom to look under the bed or in the closet at night when you were little. Maybe you had a basement like we did and, and uh, you know, we played down there all day, but, you know, at night it made some creepy noises. So I didn't know what was going on or who came and occupied the basement at night. And our fears change as we grow older. We encounter fear of rejection. Ever had that one? You don't have to admit it. I know I have. Fear of rejection. All right. Fear of the future. Fear of relationships. Many have that. Fear of the unexpected, job fears, economic uncertainty, crime, all sorts of fears, global, global conflict, fear of the environment. People have all kinds of fears that come upon us. It's amazing the amount of fears that there are. Two new words come into play here in, in chapter four, fear and torment, and they go together. Fear is torment. Now, obviously, we're not talking about uh, where we translate a, a word into fear that means reverence. We're not talking about the reverence kind of fear. We are to fear the Lord. We're, John is, is clear here. He's talking about torment, right? And, and keep in mind that John is writing to believers. It is possible for believers to suffer from fears and torment. And we want to expel that here this morning. We want to expel fear in our lives today, today. Why? Because fear is a distressing emotion. It's aroused by a real or an imagined threat. It paralyzes you from any good action and causes worry, anxiety, depression, sickness, Paranoia. Who wants those things? We don't want those things. See, I, I want to I correct something this morning. and You can go along with me or you can have your own way of looking at it. I, I don't believe in the term healthy fear. Now, I know. I, I get it. I understand. Absolutely. You should absolutely say, Brother Mike, you, there is a such thing as healthy fear. No, I call it a reverence. There's a healthy reverence, but it's not a fear. It's not a fear that, because fear torments you. There could be nothing healthy about torment. Now you might just have to let that sink in and you might disagree with me and that's okay. There can be a healthy reverence. There can be a healthy respect. I'm not going to go down that alley because the chain that that dog is on comes all the way out into the alley and he's going to bite me. But I'm not going to let fear torment me. I'll just go a different way and be happy with myself. Okay. But I have a reverence, but there's a difference in a fear that torments you and a reverence 
and a reverence. Fear is tormenting. Fear grabs people in all seasons of life. People are afraid of something in the past. People are afraid of something in the present. And many people are afraid of the future. What is going to happen in the future? We used to sing an old song that, that says God holds our future. He holds our future in his hand. And if he holds our future, then why are we afraid? We can't be afraid of the future. Now, we can be concerned. We can want to change it. But we have the power of God to do that. We have the power of God to do that. One of the things that cracks me up is that, uh, you know, we, we label so many things. We label so many things, you know. Uh, I mean, and I'm not saying that these things aren't true. But, I, you know, it's just funny that all of these labels come about. You know, kind of like ADD. When I was little, I'd never heard of that. You know, but I, it's obviously a true thing. You know, ADD. I'd never heard of, uh, you know, uh, a, what is that thing to peanuts? You know, where we have peanut allergies. True. It's true. Obviously, people, it happens. I'm just saying I never heard of it. But I think that with some of these things that are true, we begin to label everything. We go label crazy. Everything's a label. I'm afraid of chairs. I'm afraid of standing. I'm afraid of blue. I'm afraid of all of these kind of things. And we begin to call them phobias. Everything's a phobia. Uh, we, the most, one of the most well-known phobias is a fear of tight spaces, right? Confined in a tight space, claustrophobia. We know that one, right? I don't know if you've ever had that. If you had an MRI, you know, and you have to go in the MRI machine, you know, or you've been in a closet and you have claustrophobia. It's, it's a real phobia, you know. People have these things. But people have some things that some of us may think are, are ridiculous, but it happens to people. I mean, there's a fear of sunlight. Helicophobia. Yeah, that's a real thing. People are afraid of sunlight. I don't know if they're a vampire. I don't know what's going on with them. But they're afraid of sunlight. Now, you may look at me this morning. You may say, Brother Mike, Pastor Mike, you know, it seems like you may have a phobia that I might have trichopathophobia, the fear of hair. I don't have that. <laughs> but you might think that I have this fear, right? Just looking at me. They made it a phobia, right? I, I've noticed that some people, it seems like they may have pelidophobia because when I come around, they don't want to talk to me. It's fear of bald people. What's going on with that? There, there's even people that have the fear of music, if you can believe it or not. Melophobia. I can't believe that. Who would be afraid of music? Maybe loud music, okay? I'm not going to talk about Brother Martin back there listening to Skillet. You know, it's all right. But, uh, you know, maybe some people are afraid of that, but just afraid of music. Now, some of you mothers out there, you may look at your children and you may say, I know that my child had this growing up, lachinophobia. I know my child had that. It's the fear of vegetables. I know my child had that growing up. My wife might even say that. You might even say that today. <laughs> Some of them still have that lachinophobia. I've even seen people who have had this fear of long words. Hippopotamostrosis quipped aliophobia. That's a real one, too. <laughs> yes, that's right, Don. Hippopotamostrosis quipped aliophobia. The fear of long words. Now, why would they make a long word? Right. That don't make no sense. I, who knows? <laughs> People have fear of peanut butter getting stuck to the roof of their mouth. 
right? Erectrial-phobia. What about fear of ugliness? Mm, you shouldn't have, that's cold-blooded. Cacophobia. People have fear of crossing the road. Did that come from that joke? Hmm. Dromophobia. What about fear of beards? Pogonophobia. And then, finally, some may have the fear of string. Linonophobia. These are phobias. These are not made up. These are not things that I, Pastor Mike just made up and put up phobias. These are phobias I actually researched. And there are true phobias that people have named. How would you like to live the rest of your life with these phobias? With these phobias. You can never be around bald people. You know, it's not just old people that are bald anymore. Come on. I mean, you're afraid of string. You're afraid of sunlight. Right? We can't live our lives gripped with fear. Now, we look at this and some of it's, we, you know, we, at least I chuckle at it, you know, kind of a dad joke. Maybe some of young people don't, but, you know, we look at these, some of these things and we kind of chuckle at it. But honestly, Christians live their lives not necessarily with these phobias, but what we live our life with are phobias that are just as ridiculous. They are just as ridiculous as we look at these. It's simply because we can't see. Now we see through a glass darkly. And also it's because our, God's love has not been perfected in us because we have not allowed it to be perfected in us. Listen to me. Listen. Few forces in the world are as powerful and destructive as fear. Few, few forces in the world. Fear is, is, is a force that can paralyze you. It can rob you of your ability to make decisions. Fear is a force that can even, if you let it, overwhelm your faith. It can overwhelm your faith. How do we let these things happen and then how do we get over it? So here's what we want to get to. First of all, I really believe that many things in life, if not most things in life, begin with our thoughts begins with your thoughts. And when you have fear-based thoughts, number one, those things tend to manifest in your life. When you have fear-based thoughts and all you're thinking is, I'm not going to pass the test. I'm not going to get through it. They're not going to, I'm not going to get through the interview and that person's not going to like me or I did something and then when my wife sees that or my husband sees it, you know, uh, she's, she's not going to like, she's going to leave me. And we have all these fear-based thoughts or if God knew what I did, what a ridiculous statement. Uh, he, you know, he wouldn't love me anymore. Yeah, he knows what you did. He already knew before he created you, he knew you were going to do it. And he still loves you. But we have these fear-based thoughts. But Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, you know it, are not carnal but mighty in God to the what? Pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Here it is. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Every thought. No thought gets away. Not the thought that I'm not going to pass the test. We don't let that get away. All right? Not the thought that I'm not going to make it on time or I'm not good enough. None, no thought. Every thought we must bring into captivity. All right? And then, because if we have fear-based thoughts, we have fear-filled words. Fear-based thoughts produce fear-filled words. 
And we don't want to speak fear because we know when we speak, come on, speak those things that be not as though they were, works with fear as well as it does with faith. Speak those things that be not as though they were. Are you doing that? Then the question is, if you're doing it, what are you speaking? What are you speaking? And it's, we, we get it with fear-based information. We just believe anything. I did a survey a few years ago where I just, I talked to a bunch of young people on different college campuses and in different places. And, uh, you know, I began to ask them about uh, social media and, you know, do you, when you see something on social media about someone, you know, uh, let me choose someone, Brother David. So you, you see something on, on social media about Brother David uh, and it's, and it's maybe it's bad. It's something that's bad. Do you immediately believe it? Do you, do you just automatically assume that he did that thing? Or how does that affect you? How does it affect you? It's a, it's a good question to ask yourself because we're inundated with so much information everywhere. Not just television, not just our Twitter or our uh, Insta feed and Snap and all of these other things. We're, we're inundated with information everywhere we go. You walk into a, a building, you walk into a church and you'll see signage. Everywhere you go, billboards, signs, videos, YouTube, it's everywhere we're being inundated with information. Is it fear-filled, fear-based information? And are we believing it? Or are we praying? Are we, are, we, are, we doing, are we abiding in Christ where we have a time of devotion, a time of prayer, a time of reading? See, if we have all of those things in us, remember, you don't have to understand what's not real and what is real. All you got to, with the information that you're getting, we need to have the Holy Spirit in us and the Holy Spirit will tell us what's real and what's not. Amen. That's where we need to be. Fear causes us to be powerless. It magnifies our problems and it causes us to be powerless. Fear paralyzes our soul. Why? Because fear is a torment. That's what it is. That's why I'm stopped. I, and it sounds right. And it's, you know, it, it sounds like a right phrase to use. Healthy fear. It really does. And I won't talk about you if you use that because I know the context in which you're using it. But I'm, stop, I'm going to stop using healthy fear. There's a healthy reverence I have. Fear is torment. Fear brings bondage. Fear brings bondage to us. So what does John say about it? He says to cast out fear. Verse 18 of chapter 4 uses these words, expel, banish, drive out. Expel, banish, drive out. Expel, banish, and drive out. This, this phrase cast out, it, it, it comes from a Greek word that is, it, it means a powerful movement of throwing something with intention and energy. Like you're throwing a rock as far as you can. That's what it means to banish, to cast out. That's the thought process we have to have with fear. Because there is no room for fear. With love, with God's love, there is no room for us to be afraid. Why do you think the God of the universe said you can come boldly to the throne? That in itself is a bold statement. You can come boldly to the, come on in. You're welcome in here. We must confront fear. Jesus told us so many times in scripture to fear not. So what do we need to do? 
What do we need to do? First of all, we need to choose intentional right thinking because I believe everything begins with a thought. We can't change our, our language, our confession, our mouth until we change what's up here. Change how you think. Fill your mind with the word of God. Fill it with God's word. And I know that sounds old school. You know, I'm trying to be as new school as I can, but that, I'm sorry, that just never changes. Read your Bible every day. I mean, it just, it just doesn't change. I don't care how media changes. I don't care how social media changes, video and lights and music and all of those things. And it's, it's great. I, I love it. You know, things change and, you know, we change and all of those. I love all of that stuff. Read your Bible every day does not change. It just simply does not change. God's word does not change. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God remains forever. It is true. It is powerful. Come on, it is creative. Fill your mind with the word of God, right? Fear cannot take what you don't give it. It can't take what you don't give it. And the second thing is choose rational right thinking. Rational thinking simply means this. It is it, rational thinking recognizes that God is greater than your need or your problem. When you're tempted to fear, remember that God is always with you. That's rational thinking. See, the world will say it's irrational. You can't see God. Why do you believe in God? That's irrational. But to us who have God in us, it is irrational not to have, not to think of God and speak about God in everything that we do. Rational, right thinking. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light. He's the revelation. He shows me everything. I see things for what they really are because the Lord is my light. He's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He's the only one that can kill the soul. Whom shall I fear? If he chose to save me, where else do you go? Who, am I, who, who will I fear? We need to choose scriptural thinking. Choose, your, choose, choose what goes into your mind. Fill your mind with God's thoughts revealed in his word. Fill it. We, we know Jeremiah 29, 11. How many times? It's another one of those things. That, that's one of those passages. That's one of those verses that will just, you know, you may get tired of hearing it, uh, but, it, but it remains true. I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good and not evil to give you an expected end that never changes. Finally, choose scriptural confession. Again, sounds old school. Sounds like people, uh, you know, who, uh, you know, those crazy church people. Here's the difference in someone who's fake and phony and not authentic. Come on, church people. Who's fake and phony and not authentic and someone who is authentic. It's just simply not what comes out of your mouth. Two people could say the same exact thing, quote the same exact scripture, but it's where your heart is. Do you have, the, did you choose intentional thinking? Do you have scriptural thinking? And is your heart toward God? Is your heart to glorify him? Or is your heart to prove to brother Al that I know more scripture than he does? And so in every situation, I'm going to say, I'm not saying that, you know, to, to show you how well I'm doing on my Christian journey. Is that your motivation? 
What's your motivation? Is your motivation to glorify God? Because if you do that, I guarantee you, he will glorify you. You won't have to worry about being promoted or glorified. You won't have to worry about it. If, if, if all you, if 100% of your energy is glorifying him, and, and when the scripture comes out of your mouth in whatever situation you're in, if it is intended to glorify him, come on, this is how faith works. You speak the word only. Don't mix it with anything else. God's going to heal me, but. No buts. No buts. The buts get you every time. We don't want that. 2 Timothy 1.7. You could quote it. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? Come on, guys. What? Come on. One more time. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Amen. Stand to your feet this morning. I want us to do something as we end this series. I want us to pray a prayer together. If you believe that God has not given us a spirit of fear, if you believe that God has given us a spirit of love and a sound mind, I want us to say this prayer together. Because here, here's what it is. Here's what it is. I don't know about you. But I've come to a point where I, and I don't even want to say this phrase, I'm not going to say the phrase sick and tired, but I, but I, but I, am, I am wearied by us as Christians allowing the enemy to come in and split us up and divide us and, and, and come into our life and bring sickness and we just accept it. And, and bring financial trouble, and we just accept it. I'm not saying that things don't come, but we are overcomers, folks. Come on. We know this. We are more than conquerors. God has told us this. So why do we accept these things in our life? We're never going to get others into the kingdom unless we ourselves take a stand and say, fear, you are not welcome here. So let's say this. Let's say this together. Amen. One, two, three, go. Spirit of fear, I reject you in Jesus' name. You have no place in my life. My Father God loves me and promises to protect me, provide for me, guide me, and use me for his kingdom. Today I declare I have the mind of Christ and I will not fear any giant in my way. God's perfect love in me leaves no room for fear.